0: setting up systems, and more, so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. Kristen Beasley is a speech-language pathologist, mom of three young daughters, and private practitioner with a rapidly growing private-pay-only private practice in Arizona. I first got to know Kristen when she joined the Start Your Private Practice program, and she went through the course in a weekend, had two clients in two weeks, and then 10 clients by the end of her first month. And this was on the side of her job. She talks about this in the episode, But she and her family sat down and had a conversation about how this was going to be a very busy season of life as she got her private practice off the ground, so that in turn, she would have more time with her family later. And that's exactly what happened. In this episode, she talks about starting her private practice out of the trunk of her car, her first clinic space and why it didn't quite work out. And then she talks about the amazing space that she has right now. Kristen then joined the Grow Your Private Practice program to get help navigating hiring, marketing, financial planning for her practice, and to get information and ongoing support for her current stage of the journey. Now she has a thriving brick and mortar clinic, a small team, and that time flexibility that she promised her family when she was first getting started. This is one of the most inspirational and value-packed episodes to date. Kristen is such a genuine person, and I know that you're going to love her and love hearing about her journey as much as I have enjoyed watching it. Enjoy the episode. All right. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice?
1: Sure. Yes. My name is Kristen Beasley, and my practice name is West Valley Speech Therapy. We are located in Glendale, Arizona, which is the west part of the valley here. Kristen, I have had the pleasure,
0: honestly, of watching you grow your private practice from like nothing to like two clients to 10 clients to now you have a really successful private practice. And so what I would love to do is before we kind of talk about like the actual starting your practice journey, could you take us back to the beginning of your career as an SLP and kind of how you got started and when you started thinking about private
1: practice? Ooh, yes, that's a great, great journey. So I received my master's back in 2006 um, in Northwestern. And I stayed for one year in Chicago and then realized that I really missed the sunshine. So I moved back to my home state of Arizona, where I initially took a job in a preschool setting in a public school district. And right away, I just felt bored. So I took a job working as an independent contractor in a clinic doing a lot of feeding therapy, a lot of earlier intervention back in the day before early intervention was its own separate program. We did a lot of home health. I did a lot of clinic-based therapies. And then through various life stages, um, I went through a divorce and found myself as a single mom and realized I needed to have what I thought at that time was some more stability. So I took a job back at the public school system. And it was a blessing because that's where I met my now husband. However, that was still a really roller coaster ride of highs and lows, lots of burnout, lots of long days, early meetings, late meetings, um, tons of paperwork. And I just over time felt like I wasn't making a difference to the point where I had even thought about leaving the field of speech pathology. I kind of went through a midlife crisis, got my License in real estate randomly. And about six months into that, realized this is not the place for me. I'm really feeling called to do speech therapy. And I, I feel like I was good at it. So I needed to go back to what I was good at and what I knew. So that kind of led me back into the field. And just through the journey of mentoring different students, mentoring different assistants, mentoring different clinical fellows, I kind of reignited my passion to make a difference. And I felt like I was finally getting into my groove again. And then COVID hit and I was feeling pretty stuck again in my job, not making a difference, really feeling like my hands were tied with all of the red tape, um, seeing tons of families not receiving supports not receiving the services that they had one been promised or two, they really needed, but they couldn't find them. And throughout all of those years, I've always had families that I've known through friendships, through connections, reach out to me asking, Hey, do you know of anyone that does private therapy in our area? And I always kind of ran into a dead end because we didn't have many clinics to refer to in our area. And it was during kind of some of those months of COVID. I received several requests. Hey, can you see my kiddo on the side for a teletherapy? visit? they're not getting therapies anymore. Their clinic shut down or their school isn't providing services as they should. And so slowly kind of planting that seed of maybe I could do more. Um, And I'd always thought about opening up my own private practice. I mean, years ago, and then I always was, Ooh, scared of the idea of, I don't want to deal with billing. I don't want to do with insurance. I just don't want the overhead of all of that. And then you kind of started to trickle into my feed on Instagram and it was (laughs) the, the right signs in the right place. And, um, through some different life events that had happened in our own personal life, we felt like we just needed a change so i i took the leap and it's been a journey so that's what started the idea to start my private practice back in 2020 was just the the feeling of being stuck and wanting to make a difference wanting to have a bigger impact and really seeing the need in our community but also seeing the need within our own family with my own situations realizing that we needed to make some changes to have mom at home, to be a wife, to be present and to be less stressed and to really enjoy life again. So that was kind of from start to the the start of my speech journey to then the start of the private practice. And since then, it's been another wonderful journey.
0: I, I like how you kind of talk about it as like chapters in the journey, right? There's like a, the chapter leading up to it. And so before we head into the chapter about, you know, how you started, I really, really liked, I mean, everything that you shared, I'm sure that our listeners are like, oh my gosh, I feel like Kristen is in my head and I'm feeling a lot of these things that she's been saying. And I know that you Mm -hmm. have young kids and, you know, you really wanted to be able to spend more time with them. And obviously the pandemic left you, you know, feeling stuck. It's interesting. I didn't know about your real estate license kind of thing, but that kind of tells me that you did kind of have this a little bit entrepreneurial spirit to Mm -hmm. you. And so it really made it kind of natural, probably for you to be like, you know what? I really am a great speech pathologist. I think I should stay like in this lane, but how can I do it in a way that will kind of untap my income potential? Give me that flexibility that maybe is one of the reasons why you're pursuing real estate. Absolutely.
1: Yes. And I think that was what initially drew me into real estate was the idea of being my own boss, having my own hours having that flexibility to really create my own schedule and maximize my earning potential. However, what I didn't realize is that when, well, what I do now know, but before I went into it, going into real estate, you don't have that time flexibility. You are at the demands of your clients. And if they want to see a house on Monday night at eight o'clock, you have to be there and be ready. And that was not, that was not working with my family I needed to have more consistency of when I was home and when I was gone and it didn't take long to realize that. And so the ideas of, well, now I can have set hours at the school. That's, that kind of brought me back to the school setting because it was maybe not what I really wanted to do, but the hours worked. Yeah, I totally, totally get that. So, so there you are, you're, you're kind of, the
0: pandemic is now underway. You've got kids that you want to be with at home more. You're feeling like you're not making a difference in the schools anymore. So what happened next?
1: Oh, I think it was a series of events. Um, My middle daughter received speech therapy and I think it was seeing her struggle of not having that in-person interaction. She was only six five at the time, five turning six, and having her have to log on and manage that computer. And then I was running teletherapy at the same time next to her for my school job. I was just like, this is this is madness. This is chaos. But I really saw the struggle that she had as a kiddo. And that broke my heart. That really kind of touched home, so to speak. And I thought, man, if if she is struggling and I I am a speech pathologist by trade. And it's, she's still struggling. Imagine how many other families are struggling when their kids are not getting the supports they need. They're not feeling supported. They're not receiving those services. And granted it was the middle of a pandemic and there was very little we could do. I still felt called to do more. And I just felt like, well, why not? I mean, I might as well try it. And if I fail, I fail, but at least I've tried it. And I just took that leap, took your course. I finished it in a weekend, got my my LLC done and all of my business licensing and all of my bank accounts opened within a week. And so I think from start to finish, I had my first client within three weeks because as soon as I just did a little tiny story on Instagram. I had several colleagues say, oh, I've got someone, I've got someone I have to send you away." And it just word of mouth continued to domino into more and more referrals. And so it started with one client and I had my red suitcase in the trunk of my van. I put all of my therapy materials into that and I started to go to their home and then started to kind of Stack my clients back to back on certain days after my school job. And then I had another colleague of mine who owns a dyslexia company, and she reached out saying, Hey, I see what you're doing. I really believe in the power of what you're doing. I would love to offer my room to you on a weekend. And I thought, Well, gosh, that's amazing. So we worked out a really nice deal. I worked out of her room on Sundays, built a solid caseload of seven to eight clients that I saw every Sunday while still doing home visits during the week. And I slowly built up to a caseload of about 12. And I felt like, okay, might be time to hire because I'm now receiving too many referrals. I can't keep up. And I really wanted to maximize the business's earning potential. So I brought on the speech path that I worked with at the school because she kept seeing me manage referrals on my lunch break and hearing about my success stories with different clients I was seeing. So she joined my team and just started seeing a handful of clients. And that was just all within the first like four months. And then little by little, we kept doing more. That is so awesome. So I, I just love that. Right. Cause I
0: remember you posting, like I remember. So Um, those of you who aren't in the start program, we have this awesome Facebook group where students post, you know, when they get their first client, when they get their wins, all this kind of other stuff. And so Kristen would post, I remember when you posted, like I got my first client, I think that you had like 10 clients in your first month or something. It was some posts that was like insane, right? Like, but in a really good way. And I knew it was because like, you were hustling, like you were making this happen And I knew that you were a mom. I knew that you had kids. And so what was that like for your family to all of a sudden go from like, you know, mom to like mom and business owner of a practice that you were trying to start? That must
1: have been a big adjustment for your family. It was. I think it was um, a bigger adjustment for my husband, to be honest, because he was then taking on the role of managing all of the different things but it was a bit tricky because my husband has epilepsy. And so he wasn't at that time, um, able to drive. And so within the state of Arizona, and I think for many other states, when you have a seizure, you are not able to drive for 90 days plus that. And that was the season of life that we were in. And so I was the only driver for our family. And so it was recognizing when I was at work, He was home with the kids. And so we had to really come together and work as a team to manage our schedules, to figure out, I can only work on certain days where my kids didn't have activities. And so right away I said, and I think your, your start program really helped with that because it really laid out those boundaries of recognizing when are your hours going to be? And that was help. What was helpful for me, because I could say, okay, Sundays, we don't have anything. And then certain days of the week, I knew my kids were not doing activities. And it was also somewhat helpful because of our pandemic closures. We weren't going anywhere to begin with. And so other than school and and our work settings. And so that was also somewhat helpful because our kids were home. They weren't in any activities, but the little ones that they did have, we were able to work around. And so then on days that I was working, my husband just took that on. And so those are my days home. We're going to hang out and just support from, from the home front. And every time I would get a new referral, it was kind of that, Oh, I don't know where I'm going to fit this. I don't know if I can take on another one, but my husband kept saying, you have to do it. Like, this is great. This is one more closer to your full-time practice. So it was having that voice in the background, just kind of cheering me on, Of you can do it even though it's hard. You have to do the hard stuff first to get to where you want to be. So great to have a supportive spouse. That is so Mm -hmm. important.
0: And the interesting thing is I have a lot of people who, who tell me, you know, I I like to start a private practice, but like, I need to check with my husband, like specifically when they're thinking about joining my program too, they'll say like, I don't know. I got to ask my husband. And usually the husband is like, yeah, like you should yeah. do this, right? Like yeah. rest yeah. out of work. This is yeah. amazing income potential. Like why would you say no to this? And so I just, I've always found that really interesting is that usually it's the SLP who's kind of like, I don't know. And that's usually the imposter syndrome talking and those kind of things. And really the, this is like, go for it, honey. Like this is so smart.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think so much of who we are as a profession, we are helpers. And a big part of that is also kind of the people pleasing. And so when we are, I know for me, at least it was like, I felt like I was guilty leaving my job that I had been at because they needed someone and I was leaving them hanging and I was leaving those students at that school hanging without a a provider, but they figure it out and realizing that over time and that you have so much potential to make such a greater impact in the private practice setting. And I haven't looked back. I don't even know why it took me that long to get started, Um, but I'm grateful. I, I don't regret the timing of any of it because I feel like it was all meant to be and designed to be exactly the way it is, but it's just been an amazing thing. And yes, I think when my husband heard me talk about it at first, he's like, well, sure. I mean, how would that work? Yeah. It was his first question. And then as I was talking through it and he would be in the room when I was listening to some of your videos and his ears would perk up like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like that. And he's also a special education teacher. So he sees he's in the trenches at the school. So he knows the, the ins and outs of Of what we do to an extent at the school setting. And that was, I think, even more of a reason why he's like, yeah, do this. Get out of the school, go do your thing. You, you, you got it. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting start to that, that journey. Totally love that. So I'm sure that people
0: are wondering, you know, like, well, what is your practice like now? So tell folks kind of like what or or if there's any things in the gap between kind of when you got started and now. But you know, I think people are genuinely curious, like. Kristen, what is your practice like? Tell me all the things.
1: Yes. So, yeah, there are a few gaps in between. So, when I first started, it was just me out of the trunk of my car doing home visits. And then I had that time where I was renting a small space. Um, And that was just for those first three, three or four months. And then I stumbled upon a salon suite that I knew several other business owners that did salon based industry business, such as hair and lashes and skincare, et etc. and they had let me know that there was a salon open in their building. So I had reached out to the landlord and it was a perfect fit. It was a tiny tiny room, but it was honestly all I needed. It was just a space that I could call my own. Um so I was there for almost all of 2021. Um I moved in in January of 2021 and that was really I think the the phase that pushed me forward to realize I have my own space. I've got my name on the door. People are coming to a space to see me and it just felt real. And within that, I was able to double my caseload. I brought on an additional SLP. And at that time I decided that I was done at the school. So I didn't sign my contract in May. So starting in summer of 2021, I was full-time doing private practice. And that was a little scary just because I realized that it really was a a big, I don't want to say burden, but it was a big weight to carry thinking, well, up until now, this has all been side income because I've been able to live off of my salary at the school, but now I'm living off of this. So it's really do or die. I mean, it's kind of that all in mentality of now I have to give it my all because everything else depends on it. And so we stayed in that space and it was about September, October, when I was running into more and more scheduling conflicts. And it was like Tetris and Jenga trying to put everything together because at this time I had now had four of us as the speech team and we were all sharing this one space. And so it was trying to really manage one room for four people with multiple people wanting to work at the same time and multiple families wanting all of those after school spots. And so I had just started to think about maybe it was time to move on to a bigger space. And there were some other culturally different situations happening at the salon. I mean it's a very different experience there. My families were in the shared waiting room and many of the hairstylists would come in and talk about their crazy weekend or some of the younger business owners would be using tons of curse words in the hallway, and I would hear it behind my closed door with with my client who's only four, and it's like, "Oh, well, this might not work for too much longer." so um, that was my my sign. It was time to to start looking and in November, I signed my own lease for my own office space, and so I moved from a tiny, tiny space that was literally the size of like a bathroom. It was, it was small to now I have a five therapy room office that's about 1600 square feet. Um, and the thing I love the most about it is that we have our own waiting room and our own bathroom. And it's just so nice to have that privacy. The families feel comfortable. And so we moved in there in November and now it's just continuing to grow because now we have space to do multiple sessions at the same time. So I brought on my first full time therapist who's with me here during the day and that's been so great to have a partner kind of to work alongside and then i'm bringing on one of the my very first slp that started with me back in january of last year she's leaving her school job and she's joining me full time this summer so we've just continued to to grow and it's a dance for sure of recognizing when to grow and when to to plant and kind of that idea of when is it going to be enough and when is it going to be time to keep going? So it's that constant every day. It's always thinking that through and being intentional with every single thing I do. And I love that. And I love that you talked about it being
0: a dance, right? Because it is, right. You have to kind of figure out like the flow of referrals And like the flow of the you know openings on your caseload or your staff's caseload and there are you know some ebbs and flows there but like that's just kind of how it works when you're growing a business right starting a business is one thing but figuring out how to grow a business is is a kind of different animal because there's lots of different ways that you can do it right and so that's one of the other really cool things that i've gotten to watch you grow your business And that, you know, it's just, it's so fulfilling to me to know, you know, where someone started and where they are, and then also, you know, where they're going. What types of clients do you see in your practice and what payer sources do you accept?
1: So we see, I would say, a good majority of our clients are five and under, our youngest ones being around 12 to 14 months of age, and then up to kindergarten age. And we do have, Still some of our school-age clients that come, but I would say the big bulk of my caseload is preschool and early intervention. Um, And then my part-time therapists see the school-age articulation, language, phonological populations. And we do have some autism, not much though, only because our payer source is all private pay. We are our self-pay. And we do have one other additional payer source which has been a big blessing. It's, um, it's a scholarship through the state of Arizona called the empowerment scholarship. And it's for families that have been found eligible for special education services, but they're no longer in the public school district. They can take their eligibility and then apply for funds to receive services such as speech therapy, occupational therapy, any type of reading services, et cetera. Um, so we are a vendor within that program. So we receive a lot of referrals, um, that are that payer source. Um, but at this time we don't have any contracts with insurance or with the, the state department. So, and that's also a constant question that I continue to ask myself of when, when will I need to, and if I will need to, what will that look like? But at this time, the majority of our clients are Families that have found their insurance wouldn't pay for it anyways um, because it's either a developmental delay or an articulation impairment that um, hasn't been covered by their specific plan. So we receive a lot of families that really want to pay out of pocket to receive a high quality, highly effective service upfront without kind of the red tape mixed into it yeah, and I love that. And the thing about private practice is that you get to choose, right? Mm-hmm.
0: There's lots of people who, you know, feel like they they definitely want to do Medicaid, right? Or there's people who want to do, you know, insurance or they want to do private pay. or the whole scholarships and and grants thing is also a new way that people are really utilizing for their families, right? So there's there's lots of ways to make it happen. And because you're the business owner, you get to mm-hmm. decide there's no, Real wrong decision. And you asked a little bit about growth. Like you'll know. You'll know mm-hmm. if you're wanting to grow and if being private pay is stifling you from being able to do that. Right. That's usually when people make the switch, is if they feel like they need more referrals. And then that can open up more, but it also opens up a lot more work, honestly. Right. There's mm-hmm. then you then you're going to want to make sure that you have a biller and you're going to want to make sure you have someone handling all the credentialing and everything. So that's that's a whole different dance, right? So yes. so you keep dancing
1: this dance while you're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I know. And we did, I forgot to mention this, but a few months ago, I brought on an occupational therapist to have in-house. And I do think because of that, I don't know if I could wrap my head around the billing codes within occupational therapy because that, that's out of my wheelhouse. And so I feel like I can manage that really efficiently in the private pay world. But if we were to venture into the insurance world, that would be a whole different set of skills I would have to really wrap my head around.
0: Well, and, you know, we're capable of learning things, right? Like, you know, earlier, like you learned, you know, how to do some real estate, right? You then learned that it wasn't right for you, but like you learned how to be a speech pathologist. You've learned how to be a business owner, right? Like we are capable of learning how to do these things, right? It's just whether or not you want, to do them. Right. And, but once you've decided that you want to do it, right. Once you have that spark, I think it's really, really important
1: to to have that keep you going. Right. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think for me, that's why I love this job because every day brings something new to learn. And I have found that I, especially within my school setting positions, I've just gotten bored easily. And within this role i am never bored it's always intriguing it's always just mind blowing so to speak in terms of how much i don't know and then i just want to learn more and that is such a great spark to keep me going because now i'm i'm venturing into the school the school contracting world of what does that look like if i contract out a few of my therapists and i'm really trying to dig deep into the ins and outs of How does that work? And what does that look like? And really what are the benefits for the practice if we do that? And it's kind of that's my next set of skills I am digging into already. And then it's beyond that. Um, we're gonna offer camps and intensives this summer. So it's the constant um growth, both mentally but also physically within our the growth of our practice. But for me, I just feel so fulfilled because I am constantly learning and tackling new problems. And when a problem arises, I I really take it as an opportunity for growth to learn something new on, okay, well, how can I do this? So one, it doesn't happen again. And two, how can I take this to help it improve our practice Um, and really making it a great place for therapists to come work. And so when things come up, you know, from an HR perspective or an attendance perspective, it's, okay, yeah, that might be a problem, but let's make it better. And let's, let's work on that. And what can we do together collectively to kind of co-create? Well, I love that.
0: Yeah. And I think that you, you know, you're just, you're finding your way, right. And you're learning things as you go and you're making adjustments. I really like how you talked about like when, when something happens, when you get stuck, you hit a roadblock, it's just like, Figuring out how to move past it, right? Like it, it does not serve you, your business, your clients, your employees to stay stuck, right? Like that's our job as business owners to find a way to move forward, right? And so, talk a little bit more about that. Like when when you hit a setback, what is your mentality about that
1: in terms of being a business owner? That's a great question. So I feel like setbacks are are common. I think just in everything we do, and especially when the business grows, I feel like the problems kind of grow to match the growth of the business. And so I am finding as we are growing, we have more successes, but also more situations that need to be figured out. And so it's always, when it comes in front of me, it really depends on where am I at any point of the day. If I'm at home, I automatically ask, is this something that I need to address here and now, or can it wait until tomorrow? So that's always my first question is how urgent is it? And then can it wait until tomorrow to where I'm actually in that business mindset? And so when they arise during my, my business day or my work day, it's what can we do to improve upon it right now, but also what are the long-term effects of this solution going to be? So it doesn't become a recurring problem. And I think that for me is the biggest piece to really tackle is that yeah you can put a bandaid on it and you can fix something just temporarily but how are we going to make it so it doesn't become a repeating problem and how can we use this to really improve upon our systems i'm so big on systems with everything whether it be our referral process the the systems of how our therapy sessions even run so our therapists feel confident and comfortable the systems for billing, the systems for just how our clinic is run. So when something comes up, it's like, huh, I think I need to make a better system for that. And so it's kind of that, that systematic approach to create some, some rhythms that, that work better with it.
0: And all systems are, is a plan,
1: right? That mm-hmm. you act
0: over and over again, right? Sometimes yeah. I people get nervous mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't know. I'm just an SLP. I don't know how to set up systems. And then you're like, but actually, you do, right? Like, yeah. we set up systems for people, like, kind of mm-hmm. all day. Long, right? And so right. I think that there's certain things that people think, like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I'm, you know, air quotes, just an SLP, right? But again, like, we're capable of learning things. Like, we can do, do amazing things, we can do hard things. And, you know, I just love that you've also talked about just bringing like the joy back into your life and having it not be as stressful for for you and your family. So my next question is, you know, what has being in private practice allowed you to do, you know, personally, for your family, for
1: your finances, whatever? So many things. I think ultimately touching back on that joy, I have that joy in what I do. And that is really seen in every area. Whereas prior to that, it was, I was stressed. I was bored. I was burnt out. And that impacts so many things in your life. It impacts your personal life at home with your kids. It impacts your productivity. It impacts your financial life because you're not making the best financial decisions. And so I think having that joy is priceless, really priceless. But Also, the fact that I can create my hours to be home for my kids when they get home from school, I can hire additional staff to work the evening hours and the after school hours if we have a need for it. So I can be there to take my kids to soccer and to piano and to do the field trips. Um, I have the freedom and the flexibility to take a few days off without feeling that guilt of knowing that. I can go and be there for my, my kiddos. I can be there for my family. I can help take care of different things that I normally wouldn't be able to do. Um, I can meet my dad for coffee in the morning at nine o'clock in the morning. And prior to this job, I wasn't able to do that. Um, so it's really savoring the moments and really enjoying life with those different, those different experiences. I love that. So for anyone who's just, you know, who's listening to this, who, you know, just heard what Kristen said,
0: you know, like this is possible for you, right? So Kristen, what would you say to someone who's like, you know, I just don't know if I can do it. Like this sounds great, but I just don't know, you know, what kind of like a a pep talk or or situation would you would you tell them to
1: say like you can do it. You can do it. You just have to to push through and recognize that we can do hard things. And that there are seasons of life that are really, really hard, but there's also seasons of life that are beautiful. And sometimes you have to go through the hard seasons to get to the beautiful seasons. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the beautiful season is easy, it just is a bit more enjoyable. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for
0: sharing your story and your wisdom. And, you know, again, it's just been such a
1: pleasure to watch you grow. And I can't wait to see what comes next. Yes. Thank you, Jenna. Thanks for having me. All
0: right. How much did y'all love that episode? Isn't Kristen the best? I've had lots of really impressive students who have taken massive action over the years, but Kristen always stands out as someone who keeps her eyes on the prize and does exactly what it takes to make it happen. I'm telling you, when she joined Start Your Private Practice, she basically binge watched the content in a weekend, Netflix style, and then took massive action and grew her caseload from nothing to 10 private pay clients in one month. One month. And she's continued to grow from there. It's also really fun to have her in the Grow Your Private Practice program and support her during the growth phase, which I often call the messy middle. I love it when I get to support folks in both of my programs because starting a private practice is relatively easy, the way I teach it at least. But growing a private practice is a bit more complicated because there's more decisions to be made and also more responsibilities once you're expanding into hiring employees or contractors, upgrading your brick and mortar space, adding additional streams of revenue and monitoring your profitability and tracking your KPIs. If you're a beginner, the Start Your Private Practice program is the best program for you. But if you are beyond the beginner level and ready to grow, head on over to growyourprivatepractice.com to learn more about how we support growth-focused SLP and OT private practitioners. We have an exclusive private training coming up about how to shift into full-time private practice and make sure that you have steady and sustainable growth without running yourself into the ground. To get your invitation, head on over to growyourprivatepractice.com and fill out the quick application form and I hope to see you there. Please join us next week, where I'll share another interview, tips or lessons for how to start, grow, and scale your private practice and more. See you then. So now that you've started your private practice and are ready to grow it, you may find yourself with one of two problems. Either you don't have enough clients and you're frustrated with your marketing efforts, or you have too many clients and you've maxed out your personal caseload and are thinking about hiring. Either way, you might feel stuck. Growing a private practice is harder than starting one. Well, at least it used to be. First, I made starting a private practice as easy as possible, and now I'm helping growth-focused private practitioners grow their client base, grow their income, grow their team, and set up systems to scale in my completely rebuilt and revamped six-month program called the Grow Your Private Practice Coaching Program. If you need help from me and my team, To increase your income and your impact, visit growyourprivatepractice.com to learn more. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, opt to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.